0: Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello, and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to our part one of our two part episode with Kevin Crowder. We were able to interview Kevin Crowder about his new album. Full Hand which comes out on February 28th and we have split this into two parts so part one here is going to be just a general interview with Kevin Crowder just about his music and kind of some some general ideas with Full Hand but then he was very generous to do a track by track breakdown of each song on Full Hand and so that's going to be our part two but we're going to release that after the album comes out once you've had a little bit of time to listen to the songs yourself and kind of get your own thoughts on each song then you can come listen to Kevin kind of explain a lot more behind the scenes of each song a lot of the production and writing of each song. It's a really really great interview. I think you're going to really love both parts here. So just make sure that whatever platform you're listening on that you subscribe. That way you know when part two comes up. We also have our socials that you can follow us on for Twitter and Instagram at LDL Pod. So go ahead and follow us there. Subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. But just make sure that you're kind of in the loop so you don't miss part two when we release that. So, Nate, are you ready to jump into our part one, our general interview with Kevin? Yes, sir. So Kevin Crowder released his first full-length album, Toss Up, in 2018, and early in 2020, Kevin Crowder is set to release his sophomore record, Full Hand, on February 28th. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Hi. One of our first episodes on the podcast was about Toss Up, and uh,
1: we're just so honored to have you to talk about Full Hand. But first, we want to play this game, basically, we have called How blink Are You? So today, it's How Kevin Crowder Are You? And this is just basically an opportunity, Kevin, for obsessive fans to change all of their personal opinions that make them unique so they can mirror your opinions and become your mindless carbon copies. Does that sound good?
2: Ooh, I love that. My ego ballooning
1: as we <laughs> All right, sounds good.
0: Andrew, uh would you like to start us? Yeah, let's start. So the first question is Coke or Pepsi?
2: Um Coke all the way. Coke over Pepsi. Um wild cherry Pepsi over cherry
0: Coke. Any Ooh. day. Of the week. I'm totally with you. That's a really good really good caveat.
1: Vanilla Coke over over vanilla Pepsi, right? Oh,
0: vanilla Coke easily. All okay, right,
1: good. Big party or small gathering? I think uh
2: I don't know. It depends on the context. I do love big parties. I'm a super extrovert, but small gatherings are fun and sometimes a little more meaningful. It's hard to say. More often than not, probably a small gathering in reality, but also I love a big party.
0: Twin Peaks or Stranger Things? Oh, God. Twin Peaks. Baseball
1: parks or national parks?
2: National parks. I think baseball is super boring.
1: Spotify or Apple Music?
2: Uh, Neither. I use YouTube.
1: Streaming or going to the movies?
2: I don't know, both. I still like going to the movies for the experience, you know. I saw Uncut Gems in theaters after streaming it illegally a couple times. <laughs> and, uh,
1: yeah, so this is a good example of one, both.
2: Definitely <laughs> worth still going to the theater.
0: Phone
1: call or text?
2: Phone call, probably, for sure.
1: In the studio or playing a show?
2: I play a lot more shows than I am in the studio, so I don't know. But I do think recording music is a little more fun than playing.
0: Charlie Martin or Will Taylor? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, don't make me choose. <laughs>
0: no
2: way. How could I? Like, I couldn't choose between the two, to tell you the truth.
1: Keep falling in love, or who do you know?
2: Uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> the only reason we're bringing this up is when we did review your album, those were individually our favorite songs and so we're just trying to figure out whose music taste is better
2: okay you're just using me to settle
1: a score that I is 100 what's happening
2: <laughs> <laughs> i love all my children equally uh i'll say that
0: you're a good parent uh that did not help settle any score this is also a selfish question so i am from philly and nate is from boston so we're just gonna ask philly or boston
2: philly sorry nate Damn it. I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not big on Boston, unfortunately. Well, Boston's fine, but I, I really think so.
1: literally this. The only thing that makes me pissed, Kevin is that we're a relatively new podcast. You're like our fifth interview, and nobody's picked Boston yet. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. I'll get over it.
2: I guess I've definitely just spent more time in Philly than Boston, that's for sure.
1: Look, Kevin, you don't have to console me, okay? The truth hurts sometimes, (laughs) all right?
2: Hey, man, uh, just move to Philly. It's that easy. (laughs)
0: That's true. There you go. I I wouldn't even mind if this podcast just turned into Kevin consoling Nate the whole time. Yeah, I need some help. So thanks Kevin
1: for playing How Kevin Crowder Are You. Surprisingly, you got all the questions correct. And uh, yeah, thank you for playing. Let's Get serious and start talking about Full hands.
0: Yeah, so some questions about Full Hand. So when fans listen to Full Hand, they'll hear a lot of similarities to Toss Up, yet they'll also hear many different elements that they might not expect. The sound of this album feels like it's the perfect next step in the evolution of your sound. So can you talk about the process of developing your sound over the years and what ultimately led to the sound on this album?
2: Well, I feel like I get asked that question a lot in interviews. But just to say that I don't think I can ever give you an answer because I think every time I make music, all, all of the music I make and all of my releases or whatever is just sort of like, it feels to me like a continuation of whatever I'm already doing. You know, it's hard for me to sort of like big picture conceptualize where I'm coming from and what produces a, a change because to me it's all just kind of like a continuation of me practicing getting better, you know? So yeah, it's hard to say like, oh, this specific thing led to the development of this sound, you know, it's all just kind of like a, just kind of a continuous work on my part of me just trying to be better at my craft, at my art. Yeah.
0: So Full Hand was recorded in Bloomington, Indiana at Russian Recording. Did you write and record most of the record yourself or was there help from other musicians?
2: I wrote everything myself I wrote all the songs myself and played most of it myself, but I was recording. So yeah, we recorded at Russian recording in Bloomington and I was working with my good friend, Ben Lumsdane and produced toss up as well and played on a lot of that. He's a magnificent player. uh, One of the best drummers I've ever heard in my life and a great guitar player, key player. He can do it all. Just an incredible, incredible producer, and uh studio engineer. And he played on a, a really good amount of full hand as well. I would kind of come with the bare bones sort of skeleton of a song that I had maybe made a demo of already on garage band. And, you know, we would track everything that I had in mind and then find places where it needed more or even needed less. And Ben is really good at messing around with some keyboard that he brought into the studio and, offering up a little, you know, just little, like, sound nuggets here and there that just make everything work a little better. And so a lot of, like, the really cool sounds on the album, like the the small, interesting, cool stuff is, like, all, like, him just, just flexing really hard, which I love.
1: So the track listing flows really well thematically as well as instrumentally. What went into putting the track listing together, and was it an easy or a difficult process making it all piece by piece fit together?
2: Um, it wasn't too difficult, but it definitely was, like, same toss-up. The track listing was, like, a total afterthought as mm. far as recording the album goes because, you know, I'd written all the songs in very sporadic various times uh like over the course of like a year and a half maybe two years and in my mind none of them really tied together already they were just songs that i'd written and then recorded and Mm try to stay within a, a sonic theme here and there but also you know not marry myself too heavily to that but yeah we didn't we didn't come up with a track list until after the album was like finished basically me and jared and ben my two managers just sort of just texting back and forth like hey here's a listing that i came up with tell me what you think and then i'd be like you know be nice to start side b with this one so there was some thought that went into it sort of collaborative thought um but it definitely was not something that like going into the album like okay it's gonna be the sonic journey that starts this song. <laughs> <laughs> and then goes in this one and it goes in that you know is sort of uh a little bit thrown together you know but there was some thought put into it of course but yeah
1: So, clearly your lyrics are poetic while still open and vulnerable. How intentional are you in leaving room for interpretation in your songs while still saying what you want to say? Or is that something that doesn't really come across your mind while writing?
2: Being open and vulnerable is, like, the hard part for me. Leaving room for intention, being overly metaphoric or whatever, or, you know, using pretty language in place of, like, an actual, like, prose, you know? anything like that, that is something I've fallen back on for as long as I've been writing music, you know. Anytime I would write songs, it was always, you know, just some lyrics that sound pretty but don't really mean much to me. And it was kind of an easy cop-out for me, because, you know, being vulnerable and open with yourself, you know, it just takes some maturing to be able to do that, and that's something that, you know, I've always tried to work toward. And so any any instance where, it, you know, the, the lyrics come across as, like, open and vulnerable is like, that's sort of showing the hard work on my part of like trying to get there because to go full tilt, to go like fully open, like, write Like, I think this is why I can never write country music because it's so exposed and bare you know, although maybe I could, I don't know, but being, you know, being really explicit, being really open, you know, writing some lyric, like you broke my heart. I don't think I could ever do that. You know? <laughs> it feels too, uh, Too exposed.
0: So, like myself, you were homeschooled with a lot of siblings. I have five, you have six. You also, like myself, played on your worship team at church. So, I'm working on putting together a homeschoolers only Hillsong cover band called Homeschoolers United and was just wondering if you'd like to join.
2: Dude, that's really funny. Um, (laughs) I have a funny story about Hillsong United. So, I, you know, I grew up hearing Hillsong United in my head, you know, from. Age zero to uh, like well into high school, whatever, well into college. We went to visit my sister's church in Chicago, the church she was going to at the time. And we're in service. I think I was in high school or something. I'm not sure. But they start playing uh, Mighty to Save, a mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hill song. As soon as it starts, I'm like, all right, here we go. I've heard the song a million times. And then for some reason, this song starts, and then they like, "Wait, what? That was really weird." And I'm like, I turn over to my sister. I'm like, "Did they, did they just play like a tiny bit of that? Song? Like, why'd they just play a tiny bit of that song?" And she's like, "What are you talking about? They played the whole song." And I was like, "But no, like, they, I only heard like 30 seconds of it." <laughs> and, uh, apparently, I had just fucking like clocked out (laughs) which is a really weird yeah something that's always you know really baffled me
1: it's funny so i work at a christian school and we have chapel and sometimes when that song comes on i wish i could do that (laughs) i wish i could just tap out i mean i love i love a lot of worship songs but that song oh
2: yeah man some some really some really great songwriting on their end oh they have whole teams to do it so it makes sense
0: So what is something that you found to be a negative correlation between your upbringing in a religious home and your view of self?
2: I mean, there's obviously, as with anyone, there's stuff that you grow up with, just baggage that you grow up with that takes serious effort to shake loose and sort of reevaluate yourself through that and whatnot. And I really, I hold no grudges against my family, my parents, or my you know, the people around me growing up because I had a really comfortable life and really happy life. I I loved hanging with my siblings. I loved being homeschooled. I loved hanging out at church with my friends. I loved playing drums on the church band. You know, there's there's stuff that I'm not proud of, like the fact that I thought uh, being gay was uh, a sin and unnatural for uh, most of my life. You know, obviously that shit is like, uh, yeah, that sucks, but I don't believe that anymore and like no one in my family does anymore. And like... I just recently came out to my family as bisexual and it's like really cool that it's just totally different now, you know? And there's a lot that I'm really grateful for about my upbringing, even though my, my beliefs are very different now, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to hold any grudges about it. Although I can, man, if someone gets me talking about, weird church shit and weird Christian culture shit <laughs> for like hours.
1: We'll, we'll try to refrain from that, though it would be so fun for us to do. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. So for me, if I had to sum up the main lyrical concept of the album in one sentence, so when I feel flawed, all it takes is a change of perspective to see the beauty that is there. Is that somewhat accurate? And if so... How instrumental was writing this record helping you get to this point mentally and emotionally? And if not, what is kind of that summation for you?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And I don't think I've gotten to that point. I don't think there's any big getting to that point. I think every day is a struggle to get to that point every moment. You know, and I think that's something that more than, like, a big picture, like, oh, I'm fixed now, you know? Like, yeah. oh, I just had to change my perspective, and now I'm now I'm just happy. You know, to me, it's more, like, it's every day. It's every moment I have to, you know, I have to realign my perspective and just, like, humble myself, even though it's so difficult, because there's never going to be a point where I just get there.
1: That's kind of like having patience on the album and having how on the album simultaneously, I think kind of mirror that truth that you're talking about where it's like there's moments where it's like hey this is so easy to just like change perspective and just like ignore all this garbage and see how much beauty i have in my life and how many great things and yet with how it's like this still seems unattainable and like the the struggle within that
2: yeah well because yeah i think you know, it's ultimately a mystery. It's ultimately, there's no formula. There's no cheat book to finding happiness. It's always a mystery. It's always a struggle and like a wrestle to find how I can see a way out from my mental and like mumbo jumbo that like clouds me from being myself and being honest and like, you know, letting love dictate my attitude and my reality rather than my anxiety. It's always a mystery. And I'm always asking how that works and how that happens, and any time I come across it, it's always on accident. It's always what I least expected, but in the same way like what I always knew, you know?
0: So for the album artwork, first off, it's an incredible album cover, and you used a photo by Katherine Thomas, uh, who's a photographer from Indy and a friend of yours. What struck a chord with you when you saw this picture, and what made it kind of stick out as as the album cover?
2: Well, she took that photo, like, three years ago on her iPhone, actually. That's just an iPhone photo. And she posted to Instagram, and the minute I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, so sick, so breathtaking. Like, <laughs> I eventually, I want to use this for something. And when we were talking about, I mean, we started recording this new album, and the question came around, like, okay, what are we going to do for artwork? I was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm doing this photo, totally, you know, and... um I I would love to support my friend and uh, use something that's close to me, something that matters to me and makes me feel happy every time I look at it, you know?
1: So your tour with Howdy and Caroline Says was sensational. I was at your Boston show. How'd you enjoy the tour with them?
2: Yeah, that was one of my favorite tours to date, for sure. That whole crew is just so lovely. And yeah, touring with people that feel like people I would just hang with normally is always a delight you know it just makes everything so much more like easygoing and you know obviously there's still some stress involved in in anything tour wise but yeah great fucking people that i look forward to hanging out with every night
1: So you're headlining a tour uh, soon after the release of Full Hand. The tour starts in St. Louis on March 12th and ends in Nashville on May 3rd. What are you most looking forward to on this tour?
2: Um, Hanging out with Slowpole and Davino Nino and everyone I know who's going to South by. That's really the the one thing I care most about is just hanging out with other people. I, I like playing shows and I like performing and, you know, meeting fans and whatever, getting out there. But... On top of it, I, hanging out with my other friends, my friends who also do music is like the one thing I look forward to most because I never get to see them, never really get to chill. And when you're on tour, it's just like this crazy like camp kind of feel where you're just you can really get close to people and really goof off and have a great time and like experience a, a camaraderie that's pretty different from normal life.
0: So lastly, Hoops, the hiatus, it was over and you all released a single called They Say, which is the band's first music since Routines from 2017, which is an incredible record for those who haven't listened. How was the hiatus and what's it like to be making music with the rest of the band again?
2: The hiatus was well needed. Yeah. I mean, when we decided to break up, it was all like, you know, perfectly mutual. There's really there's no animosity. There was personal life stuff that contributed to us coming to the conclusion we had to like cancel this tour. And then from that we're like, you know what, maybe we should just take a break. And everyone was like perfectly on the same page. We all had plenty of other shit going on anyway. I was like right before I did my first tour for toss Up. And yeah, it was really well needed. And now coming back, it just feels like way more focused. But now we're actually about to go to the studio tomorrow for like seven days for like round two of tracking and mixing for the new album so yeah it's way more fun i mean we just made that new music video you know like the first video we we're like really really stoked about
1: that's such a sick music video for those who haven't seen it
2: yeah we were working with these guys that run a small production company in philly called powered by wind
1: oh not in and in philly cool
2: yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah that was really fun um working with people who have like you know such a cool fun vision for things has got us really stoked to to do more of that and yeah playing shows playing a few shows here and there has been really fun really cool to play new songs live because there was like a solid like two years maybe a year and a half where we didn't play any new songs like at all and it just got so tiring like just so tedious but now half of our set is totally new songs that no one's heard and it's like really fun and everyone's just way more excited about stuff i think the new songs feel more like us feel more real um we're like taking our time with shit and really putting in a lot more effort than we did last time around i think because i think all of us is you know a year older and uh a year wiser i think we all have a, a, a little more of a clear head about things than we did first time around
0: Alright, so again Full Hand comes out on February 28th, 2020 on Bayonet Records Pre-order a copy, we already have the transparent yellow vinyl pre-order So get on that before they sell out And Kevin will hopefully be in your neck of the woods sometime between March 12th and May 3rd So make sure that you check out his tour schedule and get some tickets to support Kevin Yeah If you could see me Alright, so that concludes our general interview with Kevin. That was a lot of fun, and he had some great answers. Now again, we're looking forward to part two where we can do our track-by-track breakdown of Full Hand. So make sure again that you're subscribed to the podcast. That way you know when part two comes out. You can also find us on our socials at LDLPod, on Twitter and Instagram. You can even email us at longdistancelistening at gmail.com if you would like to. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and just on the new album in general. So make sure you're reaching out to us through those different platforms so you can be part of the conversation. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
1: Damn fine coffee.